Hey everyone, before we get started on today's episode, I want to tell you about a new smartphone that we love here at Brave Parenting. It is perfect for parents and children. It has no browser, no Wi-Fi, no social media, no games, no app store, and cannot send or receive images. But it has everything your child needs. In addition to making phone calls and sending text messages, it has a calendar, camera, voice recorder, music, stopwatch, and an alarm. Gab Wireless has released their brand new phone and you are going to love it. No more worrying about whether parental controls are set up correctly. No more worrying about what apps your child is installing on their phone. And the setup is easy because this phone was designed by parents for parents. We ourselves have tested this Gab phone with our own children and we absolutely love it. Even better, it looks great too. The Gab phone is an Android-based smartphone that looks as sleek and stylish as any other smartphone on the market. Even more, the Gab phone is only $99.99. Why pay hundreds of dollars for a smartphone when you can get everything your child needs at this unbelievable price? You also don't have to worry about spotty coverage. Gab Wireless utilizes America's leading 4G LTE network for only $20 a month with no long-term contracts or commitment. Compare that to plans by other major providers, and this too is a great deal for parents looking to save money. If you are considering a smartphone for your child, you can learn more about the Gab phone by Gab Wireless at braveparenting.net slash gab. If you use our promo code BRAVE19 at checkout, you'll also receive $5 off your purchase of the Gab phone, saving you even more. Again, go to braveparenting.net slash gab, G-A-B-B, to learn more about Gab Wireless and use promo code BRAVE19 B-R-A-V-E-1-9 at checkout to receive $5 off your order. And now on to today's show. Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise children of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it brave parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then decide how to incorporate that into your family's lives. Our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. We're going to be talking about, in the news, depression or dependency, which comes first with smartphones. Also going to talk about a new survey that found that the average weekly allowance is now $30 for children. Our character focus today will be on tolerance and our app focus on Reddit. In our family focus, we're gonna be talking a little bit more about chores and allowance. All right, in today's news, what comes first, depression or dependency? Young people who are hooked on their smartphones may be at an increased risk for depression and loneliness according to a new study from the University of Arizona. Now, a growing amount of research has identified this link between smartphone dependency and symptoms of depression and loneliness. It's sort of the the age-old question, kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, the smartphone dependency or the depression? However, until now, it's really been unclear whether the reliance on smartphone precedes those symptoms or whether the reverse is true that depressed or lonely people are more likely to become dependent on their phones. Well, the researchers at University of Arizona found that smartphone dependency 
predicts higher reports of depressive symptoms and loneliness rather than the other way around. The study, which will be published in the Journal of Adolescent Health, focused on smartphone dependency, which is a person's psychological reliance on the device rather than general smartphone use, which can actually prove beneficial. So it's more of, do I need to have the phone on me and constantly be looking at it more than, oh, I'm using the phone to navigate as I drive around the city using Google Maps, or I'm using to text my friends, or I'm using apps to listen to podcasts. Those are all productive, helpful ways. But we're talking about the actual reliance that they have to have it in their hand are constantly checking it. The study focused on older adolescents, as these are the ones who grew up with smartphones, and now they're at an age and transitional stage in their life where they are more vulnerable to mental health outcomes such as depression. So we're looking at more 17, 18 to 20. Given the potential negative effects of smartphone dependency, they found that it may be really worth people to evaluate their relationship with their device and self-impose some boundaries if necessary. I think that's what's really interesting about this study is because it is the older teenagers, really the age that you don't have so much of a say, you can try and impose boundaries on them, but they're really at an age of independence. And so it becomes important for them to self-evaluate their own relationship with the phone and then decide, can I impose my own boundaries? Do I need accountability from someone else? Which is often the case for us as adults. We too need to evaluate that in the same exact way. Looking for alternative ways to manage stress might be one helpful strategy since it tends to be that kids who are stressed tend to go to their phones in order to feel relief. I very often see that with teenagers where they just need an escape and so they go to the phone. However, that could be actually increasing their depression or loneliness symptoms. Definitely something to be on the lookout. I think it's great to talk about this with your kids, talk about this research that dependency could actually be leading to more depression and loneliness, and that it's always important for them to evaluate their relationship with their phone. Next in news, a new nationwide survey found that the average weekly allowance is $30. Now, two-thirds of parents say that they give their child an allowance according to the survey. And now this average weekly amount is $30. This survey was conducted by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. Now in 2016, the average was $17. So we've actually increased $13 a week in just three short years. Pretty interesting findings. They also found that four in five parents who give allowance say that they expect their children to work for this allowance through doing household chores usually. Now based on those children who have to complete those chores in order to receive that money earn about $6 an hour. So they're doing about five hours of chores a week. Now three quarters of the adults who were surveyed said the main reason for giving their children this allowance was in order to teach the value of money and financial responsibility. I think that what most of us as parents definitely want to do is to start teaching our children this financial responsibility. However, what's really interesting is that only 3% said they actually require children to put that money aside into savings or to donate it to anything, which the institute who did the survey 
so that that percentage is alarmingly low, which we would agree only 3% of these parents are actually giving this money, $30 a week, it's $120 a month, and requiring them to save it, meaning that kids are just spending it on. Well, we can guess what kids are mostly spending their money on. Primarily, they are spending it on food, going out with their friends, as well as video games and other media and tech-related purchases. Now, when we posted this article from the New York Times on our Brave Parenting Facebook page, we received some very strong reactions. Some people said, $30 a week, what kind of jobs do these parents have? You know, it's a very good question. As $30 a week, again, $120 a month, if I did that with seven kids, I mean, that would be almost a mortgage payment a month. However, I guess it is a question of how many children do they have? Do they only have one or two? Even so, maybe they don't pay that amount of money every single week if they don't get the chores done. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of chores and allowance in our family focus at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Our character focus today, we're going to be talking about tolerance. Now, I chose tolerance specifically because we're going to be talking about the app and website Reddit which is very much known to have very polarizing views and ideas and lots of arguments, if you will, regarding different beliefs systems here in this country, really globally. And so let's talk about what tolerance is, because this is really important, something that we don't often think about teaching our kids. But tolerance is defined as the ability or willingness to tolerate something, in particular, the existence of opinions or behavior that doesn't agree with you. Tolerance is being patient, understanding, and accepting of anything different. An example of tolerance would be someone who is Muslim, Christian, and atheist, all being friends in the same group. They all have very different beliefs, yet that they can still be friends. They're tolerant of the other person's beliefs and opinions. Now, the reality is, With the internet and social media reaching the ends of the globe, our children are likely to be introduced to others who don't share the same beliefs, views, or interests as them. Even if they've been fairly isolated in a bubble of sorts while they've been growing up without a lot of online exposure, the college experience alone is bound to expose them to a lot of differences. It's our job as parents to really teach our kids and help them become tolerant, most especially to be respectful, kind, and loving despite anyone else's differences. You know, a great example to start talking about this is in the recent news where comedian and talk show host Ellen DeGeneres was ridiculed online for sitting next to former President George W. Bush at a Dallas Cowboys football game. People on Twitter were just giving her such a hard time because she was sharing space with someone who is very different than her, that has very different beliefs and views as her. Well, Ellen very eloquently defended herself, saying that she has all kinds of friends, not just people who agree with her. And she went on to say that when she tells people that we should be kind to one another, she really means it, not just your friends, but to be kind to everyone, regardless of what their beliefs or views are. And this really is tolerance. So we can talk about this new story with our kids, we can ask them, you know, do you have friends who are different than you? Do you have friends who maybe don't have the same religious beliefs as you, 
um, someone who believes different things, maybe politically, if they actually have some political views, if they're a little bit older. They have friends who are of different race, of different ethnicity, different cultures. They do things a different way. And then how do they handle that? Can they still be friends with that person or do they feel like they're judging that person? And if so, help them work through those feelings and remind them that it is being patient, understanding, and loving of everyone, regardless of what their opinions are. Now, if they're in high school age, I think it is really important to start talking about the benefits and drawbacks of open and free speech on social media. Because not only do our teenagers have this ability to go online and state their own opinions, but so does everyone else. And as we get into this app focus on Reddit, we're going to see So we can talk about, you know, what are the consequences of having free open speech and being able to share opinions anonymously and in a public environment? Do they see any consequences or do they feel like, yes, absolutely, it's a great thing and then help them see the benefits and maybe the detriments to that online? Well, teachingtolerance.org has some great tips for parents on how to actually help your kids build this character trait of tolerance. We're going to go over five ways that teachingtolerance.org suggests that we as parents do this. So number one is keep talking. You may believe that the last thing your teenagers are interested in is really having a deep conversation with you as their parents. But even if your teens don't initiate conversations about issues on difference and tolerance, find ways to bring those topics up. Like I just mentioned, in the news over the past couple of weeks with Ellen and President George W. Bush, This is a great way to bring that topic up. Use those issues from the news, uh, whether it be uh, immigration, same-sex marriage, anything that you can to be a springboard for discussion with your child about how we can be tolerant of other people's views, even if we don't feel the same exact way. Number two, stay involved. Differences are going to exist all around your teen. They can find these differences through the internet, songs, music videos, reality shows, ads and commercials, social clicks at school. They're going to be exposed to differences, differences that they experience in your home and with your family values. So it's important to, as you stay involved, to know the websites that your teens enjoy visiting, they hang out on, take time to listen to the music that they listen to, watch the shows that they enjoy, and help understand what it is that they may actually be learning and how they're processing the differences that they're seeing in these spaces with the family values that you may have at home. Also, discuss labels and stereotypes that are associated with other groups. Know who their friends are, maybe know their differences. This is important because if you stay involved, it becomes a lot easier to maintain the first step, which is to keep talking if you're involved and you actually know what's going on in their life. All right, step number three from teachingtolerance.org is to live congruently. Discuss the importance of valuing differences is essential, but modeling it, modeling the message is even more vital. So you need to really evaluate your own circle of friends as a parent and the beliefs that you hold about certain groups of people. Maybe you don't realize that you may portray a certain um, judgment towards a certain group of people but your kids may be picking that up subtly. And your teen can be influenced by what you say and what you do, or even what kind of faces you might make. So it's important that you're modeling tolerance as much as possible. So again, always important as brave parents to reflect and evaluate our own behavior in this regard 
so that we can lead by example for our children. Number four, broaden opportunities. It may be natural for your kids to stick with groups that they feel most comfortable with during the school day. These are often going to be the people that most identify with being the same as themselves. However, it's important to provide other opportunities. So whether it be through volunteering, doing extracurricular activities, worship or work opportunities, anything that can broaden your child's social circle to be a little bit wider is great to expose them to differences so that they can learn that ability of being tolerant early on. And number five is encourage activism. Promote ways for your teens to get involved in causes that they care about, not just expressing their opinion on social media. If they get really passionate about the environment, which is sort of a hot topic right now, instead of just blasting some things on their social media feed or Twitter or wherever they may be, actually ask them, what do you think that you can do to make a difference? And have them apply the mental effort that it takes to be tolerant and understand this is maybe why things are the way they are, but how can I be the change? This is really the difference of of just being an open, opinionated voice on social media than being a change in the world. So I think these are great tips. Reviewing them again from teachingtolerance.org. Number one, keep talking. Number two, stay involved. Number three, live congruently. Number four, broaden their opportunities. And number five, encourage activism. These are great ways to teach our kids to be more tolerant, especially in our world of online and social media. All right, our app focus today is going to be on Reddit. Reddit is a website, but it does also have an app. So we're going to be going over that today. Fact number one, Reddit is known as the front page of the internet. The name Reddit is actually a play on words with the phrase read it as if I already read it online. And so that's where it comes in, but it's spelled R-E-D-D-I-T. Reddit is a social news aggregation web content rating and discussion website. That's how it's described. Essentially, it's comprised of user-generated content. So anyone can upload a photo, a video, a link, or even a text-based post. And discussion of that content is essentially on this bulletin board system, which is then voted up or down by other members of Reddit. Posts are organized by subject into user-created boards called subreddits. Now, the number of upvotes and downvotes determines the post visibility on the site. So the most popular content is displayed to the most people. Submissions with the most upvotes appear towards the top of the subreddit. And if they receive enough upvotes, ultimately, it will appear on the site's front page. Now, there are 330 million Reddit users, and they call themselves Redditors. And Reddit as a whole is governed by a group of admins, which are employees of Reddit, who have vast powers across the website, including the ability to strip other moderators of their privileges or ban subreddits from the site, and they hold that responsibility. But as some controversy has shown in the past, some of these admins may not actually be doing that great of a job at removing some inappropriate content from the site. Fact number two, subreddits. By default for the user, the front page will display the subreddit r slash popular, featuring top-ranked posts across all of Reddit. 
excluding the not-safe-for-work communities and others that are most commonly filtered out by users. Now, there are over 138,000 active subreddit communities, and as I mentioned before, they're all named with the beginning of R, like little r, lowercase r, forward slash, and then the topic. So lowercase r forward slash popular is the most popular subreddits that you're going to see. So for example, r slash science is a community devoted to discussing scientific topics. r slash television is a community devoted for discussing TV shows. So some of the most popular subreddits are r slash announcements, r slash funny, r slash ask reddit, r slash gaming, and then pics, science, world news. One that I found that was popular with kids is r slash awe, A-W-W, so cute things like cats and bunnies. Now, anyone with a Reddit account can create a subreddit for any topic, as long as it stays within the site's community guidelines. Subreddits are managed by moderators, or what they call mods for short, and these are volunteers who can edit the appearance of a particular subreddit, they can dictate what type of content is allowed on the subreddit, and even remove posts or content and ban others from using that subreddit. To find a subreddit that interests you, you simply enter a topic in the search box in the upper right-hand corner of the homepage, and you hit enter. You'll be taken to a page of listed suggested subreddits on that topic. You find the ones that you like, and then you click on subscribe, and then you're done, and those subreddits will always appear on your Reddit feed. Fact number three, Reddit has its own language. Like most online communities, it does have a sort of lingo that is associated with it. Redditors tend to talk in abbreviations such as OP, which is original poster, TIL, and that means today I learned. You also see a lot of AMA, which is ask me anything, and then the NSFW, which has often become popular outside of Reddit, but is known as not safe for work meaning this is inappropriate content that you should not be viewing at work. Now, RAMA is one of the most popular communities, and that's the Ask Me Anything. It's the eighth most popular subreddit, has 17.7 million subscribers, and it's where someone who has some sort of fame or clout gets on there and says, basically, you can ask me anything on Reddit. So in the past, there has been Barack Obama, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, Buzz Aldrin, Different people can get on there and say, ask me anything, and then anyone on Reddit can post questions, and that celebrity or famous person will then answer those questions. Now, there is also what they call Redditiquette, which is a fun play on words, meaning the etiquette of Reddit. And so essentially, they they want you to know that there is a dislike for self-promotion. There is a ban on submitting a lot of links very quickly. So if you join Reddit, with the idea that you're only going to post links to stories that benefit you in some way, for instance, only stories or um, publications of your own work, or you're going to just self-promote your own type of posts, well, then you'll be quickly flagged as a spammer, and you may have your privileges revoked. Also, part of their language is the karma. Users can also earn karma for their posts and comments, which reflects the user's standing within the community and their contributions to Reddit. Fact number four, Reddit premium membership. 
Reddit Premium is the site's membership program, and for $6 a month, it gives you access to features that regular users don't get. You get to test out new features before they're released to the wider Reddit community. The main thing that most people use it for is to get rid of ads. You can also gain access to the r lounge, which is a super secret subreddit where they say, quote, the brightest minds on Reddit assemble to engage in witty banter. You also get 700 coins every month to spend on awards. Now, what are awards? Well, users can give awards to other users in order to recognize or highlight posts that the giver really enjoyed. So giving an award costs these Reddit coins, which you basically give in a way of supporting other people in the community. You can also just buy coins outright. 500 coins is $1.99. And you don't need to buy that Reddit premium membership in order to do that, but they feel like it's a good way to be invested into the community. And so you know that these awards, there's actually a silver award, a gold award, and a platinum award. Now, during my time of viewing Reddit, during research, I really didn't see any posts that had these awards, so I'm not sure how frequently this is done, but at least in my searching, I did not see this. Now, fact number five is the rating system of Reddit. So far, based on what I've said, you probably think that Reddit doesn't really sound that bad. It sounds like a news site that everyone kind of votes on, what's the most popular news, what's worthy of of reading. Well, the App Store rates Reddit as 17+, and Google Play also rates it as mature 17+. Reddit themselves, like most websites and apps, say 13+, because they're going to collect data, and that requires them to be 13. Now, Brave Parenting stance is definitely going to be congruent with Apple and and Google Play Store, and that is 17+. Although Reddit has banned sexual and suggestive content, There are really no restrictions on any other stuff. And so it's easy to find inappropriate content. Subreddits can be made, quote, like adult only, but nothing prevents a kid from under 13, really, even finding it on the Reddit website. Links to news and information may be safe, but there's really no way to predict what users are going to say in their comments. What I found interesting is that at Common Sense Media, When they give their ratings, they allow both parents and kids to comment on what they believe the ratings should be. And there are a lot of kid comments saying how much they love Reddit. Some of them are from like 10 and 12 year olds saying how much they love the subreddit funny or the subreddit awe. Granted, they're acknowledging the fact that there's a lot of inappropriate content, but these are kids who are like 10 and 12 saying that the rating for Reddit really should be 10 or 12 plus. However, based on some of the controversy that has gone on with Reddit, some of the intolerance and the trolls that are on Reddit, it really is not appropriate for any child under the age of 17 unless you're maybe looking at it with them or they are really tolerant and high-level thinking that they can be able to handle that maybe a little bit younger than that while they're in high school. But generally speaking, there's lots of other news sites that aren't going to work the same exact way and maybe not expose them to the same type of content. All right, our family focus today, we're going to jump back into that idea of chores and allowance. Now, research has shown that it is important for kids to do chores as a part of just being 
in the family and living in the home that is not associated with allowance. So keeping that in mind, I'm just going to share a little bit how we do it. Not that my family has this gold standard of chores and allowance. Um, I know there's lots of other ways to do it, but with so many kids in my home, we feel like we've kind of found a little niche, a way to do this that has been effective. So we don't do weekly allowances at all. Um, As I said, you could imagine if I did pay that, right now I have six kids in the house, but even anything weekly times six would add up and I would be paying another mortgage in just allowance money. However, we do provide $80 a week in optional chores. So every child has a daily chore that they have to do every day. And it's simple as maybe they're sweeping the family room, maybe they are unloading the dishwasher. So simple things like that. But then we have a chore menu that they can choose from and earn up to $80 a week in optional chores. And these are everything from dusting downstairs, maybe they're dusting the picture frames in their house, or they're wiping out the refrigerator, mowing the grass, blowing the leaves off of the driveway and front porch, power washing, all of these extra type of chores that they can earn money. We have calculated and evaluated how long those chores can take and essentially are giving them minimum wage, which about, you know, six, seven dollars an hour, which is pretty congruent to what the study had found that parents were paying. So some simple task like dusting the downstairs of our house may only take 10 minutes, so they may only get a dollar for that. But something like mowing the grass or power washing the back porch may take a little bit longer. They can earn five to ten dollars for those type of chores. If a child desires to earn that money, they can then go to the chore menu, write their name upon the completion of that chore, and once that chore has been verified, it's been done, that they receive payment. Now, with that being said, how many times do you think that I've actually had to pay $80 a week to have my house cleaned by my children? Zero. Absolutely zero times have I paid that much money out. Typically, We do end up paying maybe about $10 a week out for those chores. They'll usually choose some. But what's funny is about once a month, if all of those long extended chores haven't gotten done, then the kids join us and they all do it for free, which at that point they don't have a choice because they haven't been done, you know, for the past couple of weeks. So they all need to be done. Yet, you know, sometimes they don't pick up on that. Sometimes the kids do and they'll try and do the chores knowing that that day is coming so they can earn money for them. This is how we do it. And then, of course, we encourage our kids when they want to go out to the movies or they want to go spend money with friends to do some of these chores if they want to have spending money, especially those who are younger um, than working um, outside the home age. This is a great way to always have money available for them. They may not love it, but at the same time, work isn't always fun. And so this is how we do it, at least in our family. But it's been popular amongst our friends. And so for you today in our show notes, I have a download of our chore menu. I actually designed it as though it's a restaurant menu. So it's kind of funny. The kids, they laugh the first time. I don't know if they're still laughing, but we enjoy it. And so it's designed as a menu that they can really open up and choose whatever selection it is that they choose. So we have that for you as a download today. If that's something that you want to work on implementing is instead of just giving your kids money, but having them work for that around the house, it's a great way in case you pay for a cleaner, maybe you can save that money 
and it can go to your kids learning the value of work and earning money. And don't forget to have your kids save a portion of that money because that is a huge part of learning financial responsibility is to not just gain all that money and then to spend it, but to save. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you missed anything in the show or you want to learn more, you can find us online at braveparenting.net. If you have any questions about what we discussed today, anything you want to contribute, please send an email to us at podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build a strong character using the technology that children love, pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character. It's available on Amazon. And hey, wherever you're listening, whether it be iTunes, Google, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, I ask you to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review so we can know how we're doing. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.